Welcome, this is the Cato Daily Podcast for April 20th, and I'm your host, Anastasia Glova. TGIF, Friday is probably as good a day as any to address the topic of happiness, a budding area for researchers. Cato's own Will Wilkinson recently authored a policy analysis on the subject, entitled In Pursuit of Happiness Research, Is It Reliable? What Does It Imply for Policy? It's in this podcast's RSS feed, or you can always access the study on the Cato website. Will is our happiness reporter for today. Let's begin with, what is happiness research? Happiness research is an interdisciplinary field involving economists, sociologists, psychologists, and other areas that tries to determine the correlates of happiness or what's sometimes called subjective well-being. So uh, things that they measure include trying to find the uh, correlation or relationship between people's uh, self-reported happiness and variables like how many children they have, how much money they make, whether they're employed or unemployed, whether they're married or not married. So going through all sorts of different kinds of variables to determine how they affect people's sense of well-being. Okay, so then how does one go about empirically gauging something as subjective as one's well-being? Well, most uh, happiness research is conducted just using surveys. So there are survey questions. We could do one right now. So I could ask you, Anastasia, taking your life as a whole, how happy would you say you are these days on a scale of 1 to 10? I'd say 10. This podcast is off to a very good start. (laughs) 10. Well, most Americans say that they're about a 7.4 on a scale of 10. There are different scales. You know, some of them go from 1 to 4. Some of them go from... 1 to 10. Some of them use happiness language, how happy are you? Other polls use the term life satisfaction, taking your life as a whole, how satisfied would you say you are with life? And those answers can get slightly different questions, but they're usually pretty close to one another. Now, there are some problems with surveys that I'm sure we'll get into in a moment, but there are other slightly more fine-grained ways of trying to measure people's happiness. There are things called the experience sampling method, which was created by a psychologist named Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. And what that is, is they give people like a little Palm Pilot that beeps at random intervals, and you're supposed to record what it is that you're doing at the moment and how good you feel doing it to find out how uh, different kinds of activities make people feel. So it turns out that people hate commuting. That's when people feel the worst. Or when they're talking with their boss. People hate hanging out with their boss, apparently. And people feel good when they're with friends or when they're having a meal with friends. So sociality scores high on those kinds of things. Now, it's expensive to do studies that arms hundreds or thousands of people with Palm Pilots. So as a cheaper alternative to that, Daniel Kahneman, a psychologist at Princeton who won the Nobel Prize in economics, has invented something called the day reconstruction method, which basically gives people a diary. And at the end of the day, you're supposed to record what you did during the day and how you felt about those things. So it's still a kind of retrospective assessment of how well you were feeling, but much more fine-grained than a global report about how your life is going as a whole. But in your PA, you mentioned methodological flaws, confusion, and disagreement about terms that undermine happiness research findings. Can you be more specific? Well, yeah, there's a a couple questions in there. The first one is just, what is it that happiness researchers are trying to measure? It 
is not the case that social scientists near the end of the 20th century have finally solved the puzzle of the essence of happiness. Nobody really still knows what happiness is, and there's a lot of disagreement over what it is they're trying to measure, what the dependent variable in these regressions are. So uh, one example is what you're trying to measure just is life satisfaction, this global assessment of how well your life is going. Now that's a cognitive judgment about how you think your life is going, which is different from how much pleasure you actually have in your life. The things like the experience sampling method or uh, the day reconstruction method maybe get a little bit closer to that, but which one is really happiness? Like judging that your life is going well? Is your life going well if you think that it is? Or is just the quantity of happiness and the quantity of pleasure in the stream of experience what happiness really is? Or is it none of those things? So there's just some confusion about what happiness researchers are trying to measure. Most all the studies are based on these survey techniques. And there's a lot of problems with these surveys. For one thing, you're not sure that everybody is using the word happiness or life satisfaction in quite the same way. Within a certain culture at a certain time, there's a pretty good chance that people have a shared set of expectations about what a word means. But it's not so clear across different cultures or even in the same culture over long periods of time. So you can't be sure that people's answers over time are answers to the same question or that people's answers in different countries are exactly answers to the same questions. So it's well noted by happiness researchers that say the scores in certain Latin American countries seem a little bit inflated relative to the objective conditions there, uh, relative to people's incomes, the quality of health, the length of life, and the stability of political institutions and those things. People seem to say that they're happier than you would expect on those objective measures. And in some Asian countries, people seem a little bit to report lower levels of life satisfaction or happiness than you would expect given some of those objective measures. And so there is some good evidence that there's a good bit of cultural variance in the way people answer the survey questions. Another more fundamental problem is the fact that nobody really knows what the scale is. If I ask you to say how happy you are on a scale of 1 to 10, that implies that you know what a 10 is. How do you know how far from a 10 you are unless you know where the top of the scale is? People don't know where the top of the scale is. So what we have to do is just look around us and make some sort of rough comparison about how we think we're doing relative to the people around us. But now these imperfect studies are being used to inform certain paternalistic policies, aren't they? That's right, they are. So one of the keystone findings of happiness research is that although average income has more than doubled over the last half century in countries like the United States. Average self-reported happiness has stayed stagnant. And the implication that's often drawn from that is that economic growth, therefore, doesn't contribute to people's happiness. A lot of happiness research is focused on explaining this alleged paradox. Among the explanations for the paradox is that people care a lot about their relative position in the distribution of income rather than their absolute wealth. So if what I care about is being richer than other people, then I'll only become happier if I leapfrog some people in the income distribution. But since the positions on the ladder of any kind of mathematical distribution are fixed, if I move up to the top decile, somebody else had to move down to make room for me. So overall, that's just a zero-sum game. And on average, if people's reported happiness is a function of their relative position, on average, you'll see no increase, even if people are absolutely becoming wealthier. 
Now, there are good reasons why theories of the importance of relative position have been overblown in the recent literature. They are based on a very particular conception of human nature that says that we are hungry for status and hungry for relative position. That, as I argue, is not really a very accurate picture of human nature at all. The newest evidence in the happiness literature shows that we are, in fact, getting slightly happier over time as we get wealthier. The original data that shows just a completely flat trend in happiness is not the most complete set of data. And when you add other data sources over the past 50 years, you see a mild upward trend in the EU countries and in the United States. So it is the case that we are, in fact, getting happier as we get wealthier. If you add that to the methodological worry that I was just talking about with these very strong reasons to believe that people might be readjusting the standard by which they report their happiness over time, I think there's a good reason to believe that people have actually gotten quite a bit happier, but it's just not showing up because of the survey methods. What is the role that governments play in accounting for happiness? Or rather, should governments play a role? Governments should play a role in trying to make sure that the conditions for their citizens' well-being are in place. But that doesn't necessarily mean that governments should be actively trying to manipulate policy in order to enhance the happiness of their citizens. Now, the new data that's coming in indicates that the indicators that best correlate with average levels of self-reported happiness in various countries are things like average income per capita, things like economic freedom, things like the quality of democratic institutions. Those aren't exactly policies that you put in place in order to manipulate people to be happy. They're general structural features of a society that enable people to become happy. So there's not a lot governments need to do in order to enhance their citizens' happiness other than make sure that they're a wealthy, stable, liberal democracy. Thank you, Will. If you're interested in finding out more about happiness research, you can check out this month's Cato Unbound issue, Are We Happy Yet? Happiness in an Age of Abundance. And as always, Cato welcomes feedback on this podcast. Your comments are essential to improving the quality of the content, so if you have any, you can always email me at auglova at cato.org.